Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finkson. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. We'll get there in a minute. Colossians chapter 3. We've been in a series called Thanks Living. And this morning is the end of that uh, that time. Uh, and I so have, again, been just incredibly blessed by looking at just the how many times it talks about giving thanks, the whole attitude of thanksgiving and gratitude, and, and the whole idea that, that it is to be a lifestyle, thanks living, and not just something we do one time a year. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Abundant life. An abundant life would be a thankful life. If you were, I thought about this in my notes I have, if you were interviewed at Walmart. Now I'm thinking, we don't even stop for interviews anymore, right? Have you ever, you go into a store and they're wanting to sell you something or they want to interview or they want to ask you a question? And my answer is just not interested. But if you were interested and you were interviewed at Walmart and they ask you, are you living a life in abundance? I wonder what we would say if we were not in church. You know, as I talk to people in my conversations and just in the community, I don't hear people talking about living in abundance. In fact, I, I, most of the things I hear from people, is, it's, it's kind of like they're bored with life. They're bored. Bored with their work. Students are bored with school. Couples are bored in their marriages. I know some people are even bored in church. But did you know the word bored or boredom was not used in recorded language until 1852? We didn't even have a word for what people are living in. Bored. Boredom. We didn't have a word for it until man became industrialized and life got easier. Boredom comes from disinterest. It's the result of feelings of meaninglessness or aimlessness. In other words, that feeling that nothing matters. Nothing holds our interest. When you're bored, there's nothing to do because there's nothing to do that matters. There's two primary core, uh, causes of boredom, and I know these are true because I looked them up on the Internet. The first is, the first cause of boredom is overstimulation. We've experienced so much stimuli that we constantly have to have more to bring about our interest. We, we've seen everything, so nothing surprises or stimulates or gets our attention. So it's, it has to be constantly more, more, more. And as I was reading this, I was reminded about four, four or five years ago, I remember being reported on the news up in Oklahoma that an Australian was out jogging. Do you remember the story in the news? Australia's out jogging and someone literally drove up and shot them. And all they were doing, and when they caught the person who shot them, they asked, why did you, why did you shoot them? And, and here's their answer. I was bored. I was bored. 
This morning I saw on the news uh, the sheriff that was gunned down and the person that gunned him down got his patrol car and then turned himself in. We're living in a world that's just, we don't think that anything matters anymore. Overstimulation. Advertisers prey on this tendency. They urge us to buy more, buy new, buy now. We're so bombarded with images, with lights and sound and noise that we've grown accustomed to it. We're addicted to technology, instant information, instant gratification, and we're still bored. You know, how could you be bored with an iPhone? Isn't that amazing? But we are. We, we st- we're just overstimulated. We're overstimulated, and the next one, the second one, is undercommitted. Isn't that funny? Overstimulated and undercommitted. Do you realize how hard it is to get people to volunteer or commit to anything? We've been fooled one more, one, one too many times. And I think really, we've, we've, we've so gotten burned and used and abused by disinformation, by hype, that we tend not to commit to anything. And so we watch from a distance. Too many people live at a 20% level of commitment. 20% committed to my marriage. 20% committed to my work. My job, 20% committed to relationships, 20% committed to our families, 20% committed to career, 20% committed to our church. And we end up being 20% committed to Jesus Christ. No wonder we're frustrated. No wonder we're bored. We're not fully committed to anything. A few, I guess it's years now, but I remember back when the younger generation, one word would encapsulate their boredom. It was an all-purpose answer. And I found out after the first service I didn't say it right. You're supposed to say, whatever. Right? Have you ever heard that? Did you hear what I was saying? Whatever. I got to have more attitude? Oh, come up here and do it for me. Come on, come on. This is a mama who's had it happen. Anybody's all right, got a teenager? All right, yeah, here's a teenager. Say it, say it. Ready? Ever. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That term was used to dismiss a previous statement or express indifference. It became an all-purpose answer. An answer of boredom. Whatever. It was a passive-aggressive conversation blocking tool. It's intended to end the conversation. Whatever. I know I can't do it. I don't have an attitude. Until Connie tells me something. The Bible uses that same word in an entirely different way. The Bible uses that same word as an invitation to get in on the abundance of life. And I want to make a statement. It should be impossible for a follower of Jesus Christ to be bored. Colossians 3, I told you we'd get there in a minute. Verse 17. Colossians 3, 17 says this. And here's the word. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. The message translation says, let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, 
be done in the name of, our, of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Now, most of my life, I was raised in church. Most of my life, I would hear preachers preach on this passage. And, and when I heard these words, I heard them as a warning. You had better make sure that every word and deed that you do is in the name of Jesus. And the preachers probably didn't say it, but I heard, or else. I want you to know this morning, these words, instead of a threat, this whatever is an invitation that opens the door to the vast promises and opportunities of life for the believer. And I can almost hear somebody, I'm already bored with this sermon. Whatever. Is that even possible? Is it even impo- is it possible to be excited about life? It is if you understand who you are in Jesus. You see, when you're reading a scripture, you're, to really understand the scripture, you need to read the context. I read to you verse 17 out of chapter 3. But if you go back to the first verses of chapter 3, here's who it's talking about. And here's what it's talking about. Is in the message, it says this. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. You have a life. Not just any life. You have the very life of Jesus himself, resurrection life, in you, and you're in him. This life of Jesus is the source and the resource of your very life, your very being, right now. Not just someday. Jesus is the source and the resource for you now in your everyday life. It's not his fault if you don't get that. If you don't believe that. You can shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed and bored with all these things. All the things that surround you and confound you. Here's the invitation. Look up. Change your perspective of life. Open your spiritual eyes to what's going on around Christ and what Christ is doing right now in our world through His people. You think the world is where the action is. You think the things going on here, maybe if I just did that and just got that. Let me tell you what. This world has nothing to compare to the world Christ has for you. If you could see things from his perspective, not only the things on this earth, but about you. Your old life is dead. How many times do we dredge up, the enemy dredges up something and we go back 20 years to apologize. We go back 20 years to keep confessing. We go back all of those because the enemy just keeps reminding us and we agree with him about all the, how bad I was, how bad I did, how, how horrible it is. Folks, listen to me. That was paid for on the cross of Jesus. That 
that was taken care of. You were taken care of. That sinner that did that was taken care of 2,000 years ago on the cross. You've got to receive it and you've got to believe that that life source is now in me. And I have it. You have it. You are a new creation in Christ. The thing that the enemy keeps beating you up about has been dealt with. You're a brand new person, alive with real life, Christ's life. And though it's invisible to spectators, and though they can still point fingers, you are alive in Him. He's really your life. Now look at verse 15 and 16 of Colossians 3. The verse is right before what we read. And let the peace, let this peace of God rule in your hearts. Let it be the umpire, the regulator in your heart, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Here's what Paul is saying. You have the peace of God umpiring, regulating your heart. You have the word of Christ at home in you, in you teaching and encouraging and motivating you in wisdom. So know the peace of Christ. Hear the word of Christ and act accordingly. Respond. Know, hear, and respond. You have this real life. Here's what he says then. Let every detail in your lives. Words. Actions. Whatever, be done in the name of Jesus. And I want you to know, there's no limitation here. You say, it's not just about these spiritual things. It's whatever you do, words, actions, whatever, in lip or life, every detail. Society tells us that some jobs matter more than others. Certainly some jobs pay more than others. Some jobs may give you more prestige and praise than others. But it's the Lord God Himself who judges the importance of the whatevers. Look at verse 23 and 24. He's talking about slaves. Colossians chapter 3, 23 says, Whatever you do, there's that word again, Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. That word, do it heartily. It means to do everything from the center of your being or do it with all your heart from the life that pulsates through your body. In other words, do it from inside out. Whatever you do, do it inside out. I remember reading a little book by a mystic, a spiritual mystic, Brother Lawrence, as I was growing up. Actually, I had to read it in college. For him, one of the things that stood out, for him, even washing dishes in the monastery and scrubbing the floors was an act of worship and devotion. I often wondered how. In other words, he turned the whatevers, the, the activities of his life, the mundane things that everyone was expected to do, into an act of worship and devotion because he had Jesus in mind. And I often thought, do you think he enjoyed washing dishes? Do you think he enjoyed scrubbing floors? Do you? The first service, some people said, yeah. Yeah. I want you to understand this. What he's, all of a sudden, you realize we think that something has to be fun or has to be enjoyable to be of worth. 
It has to be interesting or it has to be endearing to be worthwhile to not be boring. Folks, listen to me. Some things have to be done. You have to carry out the trash. Your house will stink. You have to fill up the car with gas. You have to buy groceries. You have to keep the kids. You have to cook the meals. You have to earn the living. You have to serve the food. You have to do the whatevers. They have to be done. Paul is saying that we can look at these things differently. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's important. In the name Jesus. You see, Paul uses the term Christ 23 times in Colossians. Only seven times does he use the term Jesus. Well, you know, Christ is, it means the anointed one, the Messiah. That was the office that Jesus fulfilled. It was, it was the prophecies and it was the promise that Jesus entered into. It was the purpose for which he came. But the term Jesus was distinctly distinctively given to him as a designation more than just identity but a designating character designating his person you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin do all these things in the name of Jesus I think Paul specifically uses this term To signify that what we do is done from a life source other than ourselves to do this inside out. If you take the word in as reference in the sphere of or in the atmosphere of the name of Jesus. Name meaning distinctively who he is. Whatever we do must be done in him in the sphere of his presence and power. Which is now in the form of the Holy Spirit. That indwells us, the Spirit of Jesus, the one who is to be the enabler of the whatever we do in word or deed. And here's what I got a glimpse of. It means that whatever you do in word or deed, do it as if Jesus is present with you. Perform that action as if Jesus himself is doing it in and as you. Because he is. He's your life. Remember the context? He's inviting you to live in the authority and the presence and the power of Jesus himself in whatever you do. That's not just a promise. It's an invitation. It's an opportunity to live every moment of every day as a participant with Jesus. Whatever you do in word or action, do it from this life. This life of Jesus. Depend on Him. Expect Him to be in the middle of what's happening. Let His peace empower your thoughts. Listen for His voice and let His word be at home in you. And then expect Him to act with you, through you, in whatever is necessary to be done in your life. Look at verse 17 again. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus. Thanking God every step of the way. 
when you realize that Jesus is himself living in the whatever you're doing, you won't have a problem thanking God. And that word give thanks or thanking God is in the present active tense, which means it's to be done continually. It's a lifestyle. It turns things, the whatevers, from duty to delight. I get to. I don't have to. I get to. I get to fill up my car, my my wife's car with gas. No, I get to. I have an incredible wife who I love with all my heart. And what a privilege it is for me to serve her. You understand what I'm I get to. I get to carry out trash. I have trash to carry out. You understand? If I didn't have anything, I wouldn't have any trash. I get to. But you say, well, preacher, you're talking about all the blessings. No, I'm going to tell you. One year ago this month, I was in the hospital in Cedar Park. Had gone septic with infection. Then they discovered I had AFib in my heart. Went through another stint. Had a, a what's it? TIA, I was trying to think stroke, but I didn't want to freak everybody out. TIA, mini stroke. All of these things happened in the same time period. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I was literally giving thanks. You say you wasn't. Yeah, I was literally giving thanks because I discovered things about Jesus in that time that I would have never known apart from that time. And in those times, in your situation, in your current circumstances, if you will just turn your attention to what God is really doing, you can turn every problem into an opportunity for God to show you who He is in spite of all the things going on around you. You can turn your trials into triumph. You don't have to be a victim. You can be a victor. And what I'm trying to say to you out loud is, it's not hard to give thanks when you realize that the source and the resource of your life is Jesus Christ. You can live in the lifestyle, and yeah, all hell may break loose, but I want you to know there was one who went to hell, took its keys, and came out. And he lives in me. Why would I ever be down? Why would I ever be bored when you realize that the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the one who was and is and is to come already is the life source in me? That's thanks living. You can have that. How could you ever be bored? Listen to you, preacher. Okay, let me get serious. If you're bored with your life, that simply means that you haven't seen what's available to you through Jesus Christ. Well, preacher, you don't know my problems. You don't know his promises. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I won't. Here's, here's, I'll never leave you. I won't ever run off and leave you where you're at. I'll never forsake you. Even if you don't think I'm around, I've not left. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He who began this work in you, he's going to bring it on to completion. Give thanks to the Father. Give thanks to the Father.
we have the opportunity right in the middle of all the trouble and the trials and all the junk that's going on in our world to take a step up and discover who Jesus is and know that I will live with him. I am right now discovering, learning to live in something I'm going to live in all the eternity. Don't waste a moment. In whatever you do, in word or deed, whatever, do it knowing who lives in you and who lives for you. Let's pray. Father, we bless you and thank you. We thank you that you came to give us life abundant. And abundance is not dollars in the bank. Abundance is a resource and a source of life that gives us the ability to live in the midst of whatever's going on. Father, we celebrate you. We honor you. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Jesus, we celebrate the gift that you've given us in forgiveness and peace and your word that dwells within us richly. Holy Spirit, we worship you because you have come to be in us everything that Jesus did for us and everything that he's promised to do in us. You are our enabler. You're our strength. You're our life. You are the one who goes before us, but you come up after us. You you sustain us and you enable us. We trust you and we say thank you. Thank you. Lord, let our lives be a reflection of your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.